Well, thanks so much for tuning in today. I appreciate you doing that. My name is Ryan, one of the pastors here at Grace, and just want to say thanks so much for giving your attention and time and choosing to stop in here and tune in, especially if you're a guest with us. Love to meet you uh, when we're allowed to do that. That would be awesome to have a chance to meet you and maybe get your name someday. And uh, for our Grace Church family, thanks for tuning in and just thanks for staying connected. I miss you guys, miss seeing you on a regular basis, and I look forward to the day when we can kind of regather, and I uh, hope that that is sooner rather than later. Uh, but thanks for continuing just to engage social media, uh, to stay connected on our prayer group on Facebook. And uh, if you haven't connected yet with that and you'd like to, please reach out, put a message even here in, uh, in this live stream. We can connect that way and help you get connected to that prayer goal. Uh, we said that we want to be a people of prayer, and uh, that's why we set a goal each week to, for amount of time to pray together. And so if you want in on that, encourage you sign up, uh, let us know, and it will help you get connected to that as well. But as we continue to kind of live life virtually and stay connected when we're a little bit isolated from one another, a couple tools I want to point out specifically uh, for you if you're part of our Grace Church family or maybe if you're interested in learning more or connecting more, um, make sure to take a minute and just download our app. Uh, if you type in a Grace Church 30 uh, into your phone and download our app, Grace Church 30, you can watch past messages or listen to some of them. You can fill out something on there called the connection card. And that is a great way for us to pray for each other. Or if you have a question about the church, uh, you can use that as well. And so take a minute, download that, Grace Church 30. Use that connection card. And that's a great way for us just to stay connected and kind of hear the needs of our campus and our world as you let us know what's going on uh, kind of in your world. And we'd love to stay connected that way. And then for those of you who have been giving, been faithful in that, want to say thank you for that. And uh, please continue doing that as you're able to. And then for those of you maybe who are interested in giving, a great way to do that is to go onto our website, go to Gracelink, uh, fill out a profile there, and you can begin giving that way. And if you need any help with that, of course, we would be glad to help you do that. Just reach out, email, or call, and I will help you get connected to that as well. Well, and over the last handful of weeks now, uh, we've been kind of having a series of conversations all around faith, fear, and responsibility. And what we've been saying is, how do we engage a time like this, uh, kind of a season like this, where uh, we're not quite sure how to respond? It's a little bit overwhelming. Uh, the questions are multiplying about the future and how it's all going to play out. How's it going to affect us? And now, especially as time passes, uh, this season, the situation we're in, it's not just out there, it's not just out maybe in some other country or some faraway place as a theory, uh, it's showing up more and more in our world. And so we said, how do we respond to that? Uh, how do we be people of faith and not be people who are kind of swept away in fear? And then how do we take responsibility in the midst of all of that? How do I be a, a person of faith and be responsible to kind of do what's right and live in a way that I'm proud of and so that later, once we're past all this, we can look back and say, man, I, I tried to do this the best that I could, try to be faithful to God and, and not be reckless or irresponsible, I'm really in a place of fear. And so over the last handful of weeks, that's what we've been doing. And uh, we really looked at what does it look like to not run into panic or to live in denial, but, but to walk in wisdom and faith and in love as our first conversation. And uh, then last week, we talked about our freedoms 
And as uh, we are trying to live responsibly in this current season and situation, we said our freedoms are impacted a little bit by that. Uh, We can't always do everything we want to do. So how do we view that? And if you missed either of those conversations, I would encourage you maybe just to get caught up online. Uh, You can, again, do that through the app, through the website, or scroll back through our Facebook page, and uh, you can watch those for free there. And then what we want to do today is really take some time and kind of dive into the spiritual reality of what may be happening here in our world and maybe even in our lives. A lot of people have begun asking me, Ryan, what kind of, why is this happening? And, and what, do, what is God doing in all of this? And while I certainly do not have an answer for that that is clear or comprehensive, I, I can say for certainty that God is always working in our lives And he's often doing things that that are unseen, that are invisible to us. Uh, But in the long run, they they actually provide and produce enormous results in our faith. And it has a profound effect, really, on our lives. So I want to set up shop today in uh, the book of 1 Peter. In that book, Peter is writing to a group of people, really, who are in the midst of all kinds of what the Bible calls trials, uh, where really folks are suffering and they're being persecuted, they're, they're going through difficulties of all kinds, uh, not just persecution, but all kinds of trials. And he's talking to them about how to view that, and then on also kind of how to endure through it. And he's helping them to understand what God is doing in the midst of it, kind of underneath all of that. How is God using this to kind of maximize life change in us and glory for him And how can I maybe be altered a little bit when I start to see that perspective? So that's where we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. Going to set up shop there. And I want to read through this small passage with you here. Uh, We're going to read through that first. And then we'll come back and kind of look at it a piece at a time. So you can look along with us here uh, on the screen. Or you can open your Bibles or your cell phones and uh, follow along there as well. Here's what Peter says. He says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So Peter kind of opens up this whole passage here. And really he starts with this phrase, in all this you greatly rejoice. And what he's doing in kind of this phrase is he's pointing back to the verses before it. And in all those verses before this passage, Peter would talk about how we, if we're a follower of Christ, if we say, man, I believe in Jesus, I believe that he died, that he came to the planet, lived a perfect life, died innocently for my sin and rose and kind of beat death. And I follow Jesus. He is the one that I believe in. I give my life to. If I believe that, what the Bible says and what Peter's telling us here is that our eternity is set. Right, that my future is set, that there's actually an inheritance, he's going to say, that would never, will never perish or spoil or fade, that I have a hope that is waiting for me. Because in this life, no matter what it looks like, 
I have a future that is secure, and I don't need to worry about my future, right? It's kind of set in place. And so he says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. You greatly rejoice that heaven is set, eternity is fixed, my sins are forgiven, I know the God of the universe, right? If I'm a follower of Jesus, all those things are true of me. I become included in the body of Christ or the family of believers, right? And I'm, I'm, my sins are free. All of that is amazing, and I rejoice over that. So he kind of opens this little section here and says, this is in all this you greatly rejoice. And then he goes on, and he says, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, right? For a little while you may have had to suffer griefs in all kinds of trials. And so right away... Peter points to the fact that as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to, and this, this certainly was true for this group of people, it's true for us as well, we're going to face trials, we're going to suffer griefs of all kinds. And certainly this would have been true, as I said, for this group, they, they would have had been persecuted and would have been uh, spoken against even for doing the right things for pursuing righteousness and acting in a way that God would have been proud of them, they were persecuted for that. Right? And that, that's part of their trials that they were in in their day and their time. Now, our trials are going to look quite a bit different where maybe we're in today. We're not in persecution today. Uh, we are obviously suffering a global pandemic that we're in the middle of, and that has enormous ripple effects in our lives today. Right? We are in the midst and in the middle of a series of trials that are kind of multiplying, sometimes day to day, sometimes week to week, but certainly our reality as it continues to change has created a trial for us and a series of them truly. And as we recognize that, as I start to see that trials are what I'm a part of, I think it's really important to push on this and help us to know when we talk about being a person of faith and not interacting with fear, and that, that's kind of floating around. It's kind of the message of our day right now is people of faith are trying to be full of faith and not full of fear. Make, I want to make sure it's clear that what, what the Bible is saying, when he's calling us to be a person of faith or people of faith, it's not saying that, that we are never going to encounter difficulty. Jesus never promised that. The Bible never promised that. In, in fact, uh, part of what comes with being a follower of Jesus and just being a human being, period, is that we're going to engage in some level of suffering here on life on the planet. Right? So when I say I want to be a person of faith, I'm not saying, God, I believe that you're going to keep me from ever having to face any kind of suffering. That's completely not the case. Right? We're not saying that because I'm a person of faith, God's going to make everything rainbows and sunshine and unicorns all the time. We certainly know that's not how it rolls. It, the reality is, the Bible would tell us this was true of believers 2,000 years ago. It's true of us today. That if I'm a follower of Christ, I'm going to go through trials. And those trials are real, and those trials are going to produce real pain sometimes or frustration. Here, Peter used the word suffering, and that's a reality that I need to face. And to be a person of faith is to look at all the facts, 
to, to, to look at the reality of my situation and rather than land in a place where I'm going to be fearful and terrified, I'm going to land in light of all that reality and the fact that my life is maybe challenging or difficult, I'm going to land in a place of faith to know that God has some kind of plan that I can trust, that he is with me, that he is for me, that he'll never leave me or forsake me, and that truth is real that is a lot of what it means to be faithful and to be full of faith through this time and through a trial like this. And, and we're feeling this right now, right? We're feeling our trials. And some of those trials uh, are going to show up in, in us being kind of trapped at home with all the kids. Some of, we're feeling that. We're feeling the tension and the pressure and feeling the overwhelmed nature of you know, how do I learn how to work from home while learning how to homeschool my kids while my kids are everywhere all around me bouncing off the walls in my house and they can't see their friends and they're not engaging in their sports season and all their activities are over. Like, how do I do all this? Some of us are in that trial right now. Some of us are in the trial of trying to figure out uh, I lost my work. I'm not able to engage in the meaningful work maybe that God had me in. I can't provide for my family right now or, or provide some income for my family that I otherwise could have. Uh, some of us are in the trial of having to go into work every day and face risk that we didn't have to face before. Face the risk of infection or feel maybe nervous about infecting the people that we live with or we're connected to back home. Right? How, however those trials present themselves, they're real and we all feel them. And it's something that we're all kind of uh, engaged into right now and we're recognizing and we're feeling a little overwhelmed, a little stressed and wondering what's coming next. What are the trials that are maybe coming down the road as this thing continues to develop in our lives? And, and Peter, I think as he's calling us this, he's just recognizing, man, believers, they suffer grief in this. Uh, there, there's a grief, there's a loss to it. And I want to recognize that, and we'll continue to talk to that. Our kids uh, feel that. Our spouses feel that. Our family members feel that. We feel the trial of being isolated from one another and being disconnected. Uh, and certainly, if any of us know someone who's sick, we feel the trial of not being able to be with that person and give them the kind of time and tension and a care that we normally would. This is kind of where Peter uh, sets up shop. And he continues the, the conversation as he advances it into verse 7. And here's what he says, talking about the trials. He says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith. And then he goes off kind of into a tangent thought. He says, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. And this is really only half the sentence. I just want to pause this here. He's going to say, listen, these have come, these trials have come into your life. Part of the purpose, we could say for sure, of what God is going to do through this, while this certainly isn't the comprehensive answer of what God is doing through a difficult time or this difficult time, we certainly can know that God is going to take some good out of this, out of this trial difficulty. Part of what's going to happen is he's going to utilize this to kind of prove our faith like fire proves gold. And let's, let's talk about this because uh, Peter kind of sets up shop around two major things that are proven, that are tested, that are purified. And here's the idea. 
right? He uses this comparison of gold. He says, our faith is worth much more. But like gold, even though it's refined by fire, it, it's temporary, it's going to perish. But in the ancient world, here, here's how gold would have been refined. And it would have taken like a, a piece of gold that would have been mixed with pure gold and kind of the impurities that are built into it. And they put it in a crucible and they would light it up, right, kind of over hot molten fire. And, and that... that Gold would purify, there would be dross, there would be waste, the impurities would surface, and then they would be strained off of that gold. And, and some people would say that they would do that many times, up to seven times, that they would continue to purify the gold and the impurities would surface and take them off and do it again and again until what you had left was truly pure gold. Right? It was the exact thing that it was meant to be and where there's no impurity left, uh, th there's no dross left in it, there's nothing wasteful in it. It is, it is actually what it was meant to be. It's gold, right? It's kind of how it's wired. And Peter's going to say, listen, when trials come into our lives, part of what's happening, part of what God's going to do with that trial, while he sees the heartbreak and his heart breaks for it too, Right? He's, he gets frustrated with our frustration. He gets saddened by our losses in every way. And in the midst of trial, part of what's happening is our faith, like gold, is being tested, it's being purified. And what's going to come out the other side is a truer and more pure faith in Jesus. It's part of what's happening here. And how that works is, like in my life, just like in yours, I mean, we believe in Jesus. If I'm a follower of Jesus or I'm interested in the things of Christ, I might say yes to Jesus and I'm excited about him. And I'm also excited about what he may bring into my life or what he may do in my life. I might say yes to Christ, but you know, I really also want an easy, comfortable life. I might say yes to Jesus. And I, I really want, I want to do well financially. And maybe Jesus has the power to bless me in some way. I, I might say yes to Jesus and have, maybe Jesus can bring a spouse or someone else into my life I can find a life partner with. And we'll have uh, other motivations. Not all of them are bad. Some of them aren't the best. But right, other motivations that are tied together, they're mixed together, just like the gold mixed with those impurities. And in, in the midst of our faith in Jesus are other motivations that are connected to that faith. And what, when a trial hits it, what will happen is those motivations begin to surface and we have the ability to kind of remove those and we end up with a pure faith. A faith that looks at Jesus and says, you know what? I'm all in, no, no matter what you bring into my life, Christ, it's you and me. Like, you truly are enough for me. I want to follow Christ. If you actually came and laid down your life for me, you, you lived perfectly, you entered the planet, right? you did all of that, all out of passion for me, then I'm going to look back at you, Jesus, and say, man, my life is yours. It's in your hands. Whatever you want to do, I'm in. And it, it's a trial that helps me to sift through some of those motivations and to land in a place where I have a pure faith that, that allows Jesus to be enough for me. A pure faith in Christ, 
not for what Jesus can bring me, not what he can do for me, not all the ways that he can make my life simpler or more convenient, because honestly, that has nothing to do with why Jesus came to the planet. Right? But, but we connect at church, or we, we grow up in church, or we connect to Jesus in part sometimes for all of these reasons. And it's not always easy for us to see. It's only when my faith is tested, when I'm put into a trial, that some of those motivations begin to work out, and I'm able to see my faith more clearly for what it truly should be. I said it this way. I said, trials have a way of sifting our lives and showing us what is the most important. Isn't that true? Trials, pain, difficulty, sometimes even loss, has a way of just sifting our lives and saying, maybe this doesn't, this doesn't even really matter anymore. I think that's true for a lot of us. I feel that way. The things that I was thinking about two or three weeks ago, my, my future and what we're, even where we're going to go on vacation and right, all the stuff that I wanted to do and accomplish, some of that stuff is, is not even on my mind now. What, what's on my mind? Well, God, what are you going to do in this time? What, what are you trying to teach me right now? Are the people that I love going to be okay? I like my relationships with God and with people suddenly just start to surge to the top because that is going to be the most important stuff in my life. I, you you got to be feeling this too. While we have anxieties and worries maybe about, about other parts of our lives, when tragedy hits, when difficulty hits, when a trial hits, there's a purifying. At least there, there's an opportunity for one where I can look and say, God, what are you doing here in me? What are you, what are you trying to teach me? And I think part of our responsibility in this time whether we're a person of faith or not, is to, to not focus on what we can't do, but instead focus on what we can do. Right? When I'm in the middle of a trial, I, I want to focus not on what I can't do, but what I can do. Right now, we can't do a whole lot of things. Uh, we can't go to the restaurant unless we're getting takeout. Right? We, we can't do all of these pieces. that We can't go on vacation. You can't go go to the pool. You can't do all kinds of things that maybe you would want to do, and I can't either. But what we can do, right, what I can do is I can focus on what, what is happening in my life and what are the things that are the most important. Right? If you're not a, a person of faith, you might ask the question, what do I believe right now? What do I believe right now? What is driving my life right now? And what foundation is my life built on? Right? Because a lot of what we have held on to is shaken right now. Right? It's being tested. And we all have an opportunity right now to look at what we can do. What I can do is I can be a blessing to the people around me. I can shoot that text or that email I can pray that prayer. I can reach out to the folks in my life that I love. I can, that's something I can do. I can pray. I, I can amp up my prayer life in a whole new way. Right? I can learn about God. I can learn who God is. If, I, if I've never investigated him, I can continue to know him deeper. Something I can do. Maybe one of the most important things I can do in this time 
faith or no faith is to simply pause and say, God, what do you want to do with me? What, what are you doing right here, right now in my life? What do you want to teach me? It's something we can do, right? We can cling on to it. And we can say, God, I want to be open. I want to be usable. I want to be teachable. I recognize that I'm in a trial where I am right now is not easy. And I want to recognize that you're doing something in me. And those trials that Peter talks about that, that are more precious than gold, right? We're talking about our faith. He goes on, he finishes his sentence. And he says that the proven genuineness of our faith may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He says, though you've not seen him, you love him. Even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with this this joy, this inexpressible and glorious joy. This is for your receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So he says this, this test, this proving of our faith, this refining of our faith, it's doing stuff. It's doing something powerful. And he says that it may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. So here's the thing. What's going to happen, if I'm a person of faith, I believe this, because this is what the Bible says. I believe that one day uh, Jesus is going to come back to this planet. He's going to be revealed. He's going to show up here. And one day when Jesus shows up, everything is going to be altered. The world as we know it will be uh, destroyed by fire, is literally what the Bible would say. And that everybody who has put their faith in Jesus will be at peace with Jesus by the time he shows up. When Jesus is revealed and I get to see him face to face, the only thing that's going to matter is how Jesus views me. Literally, it's the only thing that will matter in the entirety of my life on the planet. I won't think about how much money I made I won't think about if I made it high enough up the ladder. I, I won't be worried about if my, my kids made it far enough in sports. I won't be worried about if I got to travel to enough places on the planet because the Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We'll be able to explore that for all eternity. None, none of those things are going to matter. None of the comforts and conveniences and was, did I have an easy enough life, none of that's going to matter. All that's going to matter when I'm looking at Jesus face to face at the end is going to be, did I have faith in him and was he pleased with my life? Was I a faithful person? When I see him, and when he sees me, that's what's going to happen. And, and literally, Peter's telling us here that if we let these trials prove our faith, mature our faith, make it genuine, what will happen is when I see Jesus, I'm going to receive praise and glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. Jesus is going to show up and say, well done, good job. And the sum total of my life as an individual will really be boiled down to that moment. It's all that's going to matter at the end of the day is Jesus Were you pleased with me? Did I have faith in you? Did I persevere in faith in you? And did I land in the places where you would want me to land? Peter goes on. He says, yeah, right now we don't see him. 
One day we're going to, but we don't see him. But we've chosen by faith to love him. We, we have chosen to believe in him, to have faith in him. And we have a joy, an inexpressible and glorious joy, even in the middle of suffering, because we know that we're receiving, I love this phrase, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He's going to say this. There's a joy that comes knowing Jesus, believing in Jesus, knowing that, that my soul is being saved, that I'm receiving that right now, right? It's kind of happening. <laughs> it has happened and it is happening. It will continue to be finished when I show up and see Jesus face to face. So we don't see him now, but we've chosen to love him. We can't interact with him now, but we believe in him. And we believe that our lives, our souls are going to be saved. Ultimately, that's what's going to play out. And in the meantime, as I suffer and I have questions and I worry, I have doubts, and I'm fighting through kind of the difficulty of this life, I cling to this hope. And that hope gives me some joy because I know that no matter what this life brings, even great difficulty, that I can, I can cling to the kind of the anchor of my soul, the salvation that Jesus bought for me, and I can know that he has loved me, and I, I know that he can be pleased with me when I see him face to face. It's funny, I was thinking about this uh, a little bit ago. I was working out with my son, and I was remembering... Uh, when I was in middle school and my, my stepdad was teaching me how to lift weights. And I was like super scrawny and I was like, hey, uh, would you teach me how to lift weights? I want to figure this out. So he took me down and we got a bench and put it in the basement and, and he and I started working out together. He started teaching me the form, started teaching me how to curl, right? And do the kind of the basic lifts. And he put me on the bench and I got the bar and you know, it, the first time he just kind of just used the bar and it was all wobbly and off because one arm's stronger than the other. You know, and eventually we got it figured out to the point where we could do the basics. Then it started to put some weight onto the bar and get under it. You know, eventually you get to the point where, where I, I couldn't lift the weight on my own and kind of got, got to failure, right? I remember the first, I'll never forget this, on, I, the first time I got to failure in benching, and my stepdad was spotting me, and, and as soon as I hit that point where I couldn't push it anymore, I started squirming on the bench and just doing everything I could just to, just to get it up. And I put the bar back, and I, I'll never forget, I stood up and looked at me, he said, he's called me son, he said, son, make sure you don't, don't squirm on the bench. It's the one thing you don't want to do, don't squirm on the bench. He goes, that's how you get hurt. And I was like, okay. I won't, I, I won't squirm on the bench. He goes, here's the thing. He goes, when, when, you're, when you're benching, when you're on the bench, and you get to the point where it's more than you can lift, it, it's beyond what you can do, and you get to failure, he goes, I'm going to be right there. All right, I'm right there, and I'm spotting you, and if I have to, he goes, I'll curl that thing right off your chest, right? It's not that, not that much weight. And so I did that. I, I remember learning how to lift and I would get to failure and he would be right there to spot me and to pull that weight up off my chest when, I, when it was more than I could bear. Here's the thing. 
uh, we're, we're going to get to places in this life, and you may be there now, or you may be there in a week or a month from now, where what we're experiencing, the difficulty and the trial that we're in the middle of, feels like it is just more than we can bear. Right? And, and we might feel like I am in failure. Th this is beyond what I can handle. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I don't know how to process all of this. Here's the thing. When we get to that place, not if, but when. When I get to that place, I, I don't want to be squirming on the bench. I don't want to be trying to muscle my own resources and escape reality and try to figure out some other way to handle this thing. The reality is God is there. He is fully capable of carrying the weight with us. But we got to stay on the bench and we got to go through the motion and we have to be in the thick of the trial because what my dad said to me was true. He says, that's when the work is taking place. L let the work happen. That's when our faith is being purified. Our faith is being sifted. Our lives are going to come out of this thing different and better if we don't squirm on the bench. If I recognize that God, he's got me. He can handle it. He can bear far more than I'm able to bear. Because here's the thing. What I'm preparing for, ultimately, is, is not really finishing this thing on my own strength. It's not getting through this week or this month on my own strength. That's not the goal of what we're doing right now. Here's the goal. It's the only goal. That when I... And when my life is run out and I'm out of days and I show up and I see Jesus face to face, whether that's days or decades from now, whether Jesus comes back and meets me or I go to meet him, when I see him face to face, hear me, the only thing that's going to matter is my relationship with him. That's it. That's it. Did I believe in him? Did I love him? Did I follow him? Did, did I love the people that he loved? Was I generous like he was generous? Did, did I follow Christ first and foremost? He's going to care about that. Did you believe in me? Did you accept the forgiveness of my sin? Did, did, did you realize that I died for you? My perfect life paid for your innocence. Your, your uh, imperfect life. Do you recognize that and put your faith in it? And then he's going to ask about our, right, our faithfulness in following him. And then I want to be in a place where I can say, Jesus, I, I laid it all in the field. I gave it my all. I wasn't squirming on the bench. I showed up. I didn't try to get out of it. And I depended on you to fill in where I ended. I recognize that you're working in me. You're changing me. And I want to trust the process. Let you finish the work that you're doing in me.
as we're in this trial and we're in it together. And God is working in us individually and he's working in us corporately as a people. And if we as a people of faith can say, God, we want you, we need you, we surrender, we're in, we're not gonna squirm, we're gonna show up and allow you to teach us and to mold us and to train us and use our lives to be a light in a dark time. I think we'll all be amazed at the power and the love of God as he continues to use us and change us in a world that is desperate for him. Guys, as we end our time together, before I pray, would you just consider that question? Where am I with Jesus today? Is he enough for me? And am I living in light of the day that I get to see him? The day that I see him face to face? Would you consider that? Would you pray with me? Father, we want to say thank you so much or that you give us grace and that you are our strong support in our time of need. And God, I pray for, for each and every one who hears my voice right now who's feeling overwhelmed. Lord, I pray that you would give your grace and your strength and a sense of your presence to every, every one of us. Lord, we're all struggling in some way. God, would you fill us with faith? Help us to know and to believe that, that this is not in vain, that you're working in our hearts and our lives in this time, even when it doesn't make sense. And Lord, we believe that you're gonna make us more prepared to see you one day. You're testing and approving of our faith right here and right now. Lord, would you help us to be sensitive to that? to be open to it, open to what you're trying to do in our hearts and our lives and help us to reflect on who we've been and where we've been, what we've done and adjust and correct ourselves to you, Lord. A pure faith in who you are, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.